Well, uh, we're in this process uh, of a community hermeneutic. This is the last week, and so six-week process of uh, community hermeneutic together. And those may not be words that you are familiar with, especially if you're new. But uh, it just means that the, the hermeneutic means how we understand, read, interpret, and apply the Bible. And when we say community, when we put that word before or after it, it just means that this community, this group of people, the people who uh, call reality our church family and home, that we are the people who uh, interpret the Bible together. And we started this process with this verse uh, from Romans 12. I want to read it for us again. Paul writes, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is. So this this word discern has kind of led us and and guided us during this time. And so the way that we've done that, the way that we've gone through this process of discernment is in three stages. First, we talked about what our stories are, that we're sharing our stories. That's where grace lives, and it's so important to this process. I think part of the idea is that we, we often think we come as these, you know, rational, autonomous people, but really we come with our stories. And rather than denying our stories, our stories are important parts of it. Then we went to the scripture and we talked about uh, the different perspectives on gender and leadership, which is the discernment that we're making. What are some of the different perspectives uh, that the Bible has? And then finally, we we ended last week by talking about the Holy Spirit and some questions that uh, touch on the motivations for making this decision, that we can put Jesus in the center. And so you might ask, how does this help us discern? How does it give us the authority to discern? And I want to read here what my friend Doug, who uh, also works with the Mennonite Brethren, this is what he, he said, and he's been a mentor to me through this process as he's led uh, communities to be discerning communities all over the world. He says this, When the body of Christ comes together, Christ, as the head of the church, is present by his spirit in a way that does not happen just with individuals. Therefore, the authority of the gathered members of the Christian body is very different from the authority of a knowledgeable teacher, designated leader, or insightful prophet. I'm batting three for three there. I don't know about you guys. But, uh, uh, but it's, it's different than the authority of a single person because it reflects the unity of the Spirit. The community reflects the unity of the Spirit. This authority comes into its own as the church arrives at a shared understanding of the Spirit's leading, which is where we're going today. Mennonite brethren believe that the same spirit who inspired the Bible is also able to guide the community of faith in the interpretation of Scripture. Our conviction is that the Bible is the authoritative guide for life and practice, but it moves beyond a formal statement, something that we say, to a transformational reality when there's consensus within the community regarding how to interpret and apply the Bible in this time. Simply asserting the authority of the Bible does not resolve interpretive questions because all readings require interpretation. Rather, when a church arrives at a shared understanding of Scripture, after engaging in a process of study and discernment, we can recognize the leading of the Spirit in response to the questions that we're facing. So that's the process that I've tried to lead us through in the last six weeks. So on Sundays uh, at the gathering, I've been trying to teach into that and to give us some questions to reflect on, but then the discernment has actually been happening in the community groups. Um, where we're able to have back-and-forth conversation. And so um, I'm going to invite some community group leaders up this morning, and they're actually just going to talk us through what they've been doing in their community groups and what their groups have discerned. So if you guys want to come join me up at the front, we've got Maddie, Gareth, and Christiane. If you could just grab a chair here, and uh, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions. So maybe you could just quickly introduce yourselves, if you don't mind, very quickly, for those who don't know you.
Uh, my name's Christiane, and um, I co-lead a group with my husband, Xavier, and Megan and Dan Perret on Monday nights. Not sure if anything else you want to say. That's great. Okay. Your deepest fear, actually? Would you... Uh... <laughs> no? Okay. All right. Next. Later. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Madeline, and um, I co-lead a group with my husband, Andrew, um, in Fraserhood, just a few blocks away. I'm Gareth Jones. My wife and uh, Tiffany and I, along with John and Sarah, lead our group on Thursdays um, on the Commercial Drive neighborhood. So that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> I was like, so I'd avoid it? I don't know. I'm not sure where this is going. Um, all right. So you just tell us a little bit. You know, What was this discernment process like for you as a leader, but also for your community group? What are some reflections that you have? And you can just, whoever wants to share, can share. If someone else said something and you're like, oh, that's exactly what we said, you can just pass to the next person. But do you, you want to lead us off? Sure, I can start. Um, quite simply, I think the discernment process has been about Jesus. Um, that's been the experience that we've had in our community group. And that has been, I think it's been our unity in him that has been the most beautiful aspect of the discernment process that has crossed any differences that we have in our own interpretation, our own stories. That has been what has been the sum that's landed. Um, And as I was just coming here this morning thinking about this as well, the one thing that stood out to me was that... um, I feel like I have seen Christ in this process. And so it's actually been, to me, the product, which I think coming into the community, Herman and York, I thought the product is the goal. <laughs> what we decide is what matters most. But actually I've, I've come to realize that the, it's the, been the process um, that is the goal. Um, and that's been uh, just very beautiful and, and humbling to be a part of. Great, thanks. Yeah, I think I would I would echo that. I feel like it's been a really beautiful process, and it feels like almost a coming together, even though we have different perspectives and different stories that we bring. I think um, in terms of, um, you know, how it looked in the discernment piece of where we, where we kind of went on this issue... We, I think our group was less about the what and more about the why. Um, so I think it was, you know, we had, um, everyone kind of came to it already kind of leaning in one direction. And I think there was time to unpack why we believe what we believe and um, dig deeper into that. And I think in that way, I think the Stories Week in particular was really meaningful for us because um, it was a huge opportunity to, I think, grow closer to one another. Um, it really felt like uh, we had a chance to listen to one another and to listen well. I think um, sometimes when we listen, you know, we're listening to, to speak and we're listening to think about what we're going to say in response. And I think it was very much an opportunity to listen um, without looking to challenge or respond or, um, you know, say something in return. And I think in that we, we heard each other and we knew more about where we, we were coming from. And I think that was a really powerful um, experience in our group. 
Um, yeah, just to add on to what Maddie was saying, I think for us, um, sharing stories is also an important part um, of the process, and we felt that in the process, we were able to build deeper trust um, between each other um, and, and grow in unity, even if we didn't necessarily land exactly um, in the same spot. Um, and I think for me as a leader, what was impactful was um, really leaning into the spirit speaking as a community rather than sometimes I feel as a leader like I need to have certain answers or, or have a clear idea of how the spirit is speaking. But in this process, I really felt like I was like we were leaning on each other and on each other's um, yeah, ability to hear from the spirit. Um, and come to a, a consensus as a group, which was very, yeah, very meaningful. Yeah, great, thank you. All right, second question, some of you already touched on this, but you can add to it if you want. You know, what are you learning about being Jesus-centered? If we, we went through Galatians for 18 weeks talking about kind of theoretically what it means to be Jesus-centered, and then this process has been a practice of it, which I think has solidified it for a lot of people, myself included. So, you know, what are you learning about Jesus being Jesus-centered as you walk through this process? Um, I think for um, our group, uh, we all came out realizing that the issue was maybe less black and white that we had, than we had fought previously or we had heard other, um, others share about this issue um, and that we are coming out with a greater appreciation of both sides of the, of the story. Um, and yeah, and, and along the theme of, coming back to the theme of stories as well, I think um, we also came out with a, a greater appreciation of how much our story um, was influencing the way we were looking at scripture or the way we were looking at the issue. Um, and, and speaking more personally, but I think people in my community group would agree, um, it was actually in the healing of certain pain points in my story that I felt like I was able to hear um, the spirit more clearly and be able to discern um, what the scripture was, like how scripture was meant to inform us um, more clearly in, in that process. And I think that was, yeah, a beautiful way to kind of put into practice what, what we talked about in terms of being a Christ-centered church. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think that that really resonates um, and, and very similar for our group. Um, so I'll speak um, personally. I think um, in this through this process, it, it feels a lot like um, I'm learning what it means to hold my convictions in a strong way. Um, and I think it's okay to be passionate about things and to believe deeply in what you believe in. But there are certain issues like this one where if we are passionate but seeing our brothers and sisters as enemies and and becoming divisive about the topic, I, I don't think that's our calling. And so um, I think, yeah, personally, it has allowed me to reflect on um, what am I doing, like how deep my tendency is to have an us versus them mentality, even within the church, even, even um, amongst my brothers and sisters. And so um, I think it's really challenged me to keep my eyes fixed on the unity that we're called to. Um, yeah, for me, I think, you know, I've been growing personally and also within community. I think personally, I, the question I've come back to quite a bit is where am I, where am I bounded? 
Um, I've had the privilege and just that it's been amazing to be a part of this community since I was 23 years old and I am now 36. And, uh, that's a long period of my life. And I, and I feel like I've really grown in so many ways. And, and I think there's a lot of areas where maybe I am bounded based on what I have also learned in this community. And, and so, but what I've always been pointed to, I feel like in this community throughout all that time is, is who is Christ? Uh, who is Christ to me? Who is Christ to our, to our community? And, you know, I think about that passage in Galatians five where it says, is, is what advantage is Christ to you? Um, so how, how, how am I taking hold of the freedom that I have in Christ, um, to be centered, um, and to have Jesus at the center of my, of my story and of my pursuit of him, uh, faithfully in love. Um, I think personally, in many ways, I'm almost like been centered to the wrong center, not a, not in, not in, in negative ways, but I'm realizing I have a lot of influencers, a lot of even Christian influencers, you know, whether it's looking up to John and John's preaching, which has been so formative in my life and Chris's as well, but saying, but realizing actually for me, it's been a journey of refining my own spiritual habits in the direction of Jesus, returning to the scriptures. I found that the Psalms have been a huge benefit to me going through this past season of life of centering my myself, my identity on, on who I am in Christ based on, you know, the words and scriptures and Psalms have been huge for that. Um, I also just say, I still have a lot of work to do. (laughs) I just wrote that down now. Um, (laughs) as you're both talking, um, I just still have a lot of work to do. I think corporately, like within community and as a church, the way that I've seen us grow as a centered set community is in our discipleship emphasis um, that we want to be people who listen well to each other and support one another on that journey that we're not just, we actually don't, we're not just kind of ignorant to one another, but we are actually hopeful for one another that we would all together be centered towards Jesus for the sake of unity and love and to be a witness to, uh, our city. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, so we were in this process of discernment, to, and the question we've been asking is, how will we discern gender and leadership moving ahead in our community? And so that's been uh, what the community groups have been up to this whole time, but then specifically in this last week. So uh, you, what did you guys discern um, in your community groups in terms of what we should be practicing in this next season at our church? I'll go first. Um, we, we discern that to, um, to use the term egalitarian, to be an egalitarian church, um, for a number of reasons I won't go kind of continue on into right now, but just that's where we felt that God was leading us in this season. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say. Yeah, I think, uh, our group as well has landed to um, to use the term egalitarian and to pursue that as a body. And I will say, I think um, there was an acknowledgement that um, despite the consensus around that, the invitation that we were still a welcoming place for anyone who may not personally identify with that term um, spoke really strongly to us. So 
to be an egalitarian space, but to know that that wasn't, you know, the one issue that was uniting us and um, to strive to be a welcome place for people who may fall somewhere else on the spectrum of egalitarian and complementarian. We also landed on wanting to be a community that's leaning towards egalitarianism. Um, and we felt like in, in kind of in practical terms, that looked like uh, a, a practical next step felt like welcoming or at least removing barriers to women being um, in eldership. Um, and yeah, and we felt that the emphasis on removing barriers was um, important as um, we didn't feel like we necessarily, um, how should I say this? We don't necessarily feel like we need to have women in, in eldership um, or maybe I should rephrase this and say rather we, the emphasis we want is for our leaders to be um, humble and submitted to Christ and that feeling more important than whether our leaders are men or women. Um, and yeah, that we, we also felt that, um, I mean, yeah, as, we're not going to go into all the reasons, but one of the ones that came up was that, uh, men and women are in their differences are actually, um, yeah, we'll, with them working together, we'll have a better, um, image of what God looks like because, um, yeah, we reflect different parts of, um, of his character and, um, we felt it was important to be able to, um, have that reflected in our, in our leadership. Yeah. Great. Okay. Sorry. I, the one thing I want to say that was really clear in our group too is about the stance, like that this isn't a po- intended to be a polarizing decision, but it's intended to be the, 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 what we discovered through the process is to be carried forward and that that would be a marker of our community. Um, that's the last thing I wanted to say. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, can we give them a round of applause? Thanks. You can grab a seat. Yeah, so uh, let me, let me uh, follow up with uh, just a few quick thoughts here. Um, my wife would say, are your thoughts ever quick? Uh, probably not. That was a bit of a lie. I apologize. So what does this mean for our community? So in talking with, I met with almost all the community group leaders uh, this week, and, and uh, there's consensus in the discernment that this is the direction that we're going to go as a church. And so it, it means that we're going to open up our eldership to both men and women. And uh, they're going to be as... Uh, uh, Christiane talked about qualified individuals. So that we didn't get into the qualifications of eldership in this series. Uh, happy to chat more about it, but I thought six weeks, we bit off enough that we could chew for six weeks, so let's not go there. But people who are qualified, and in this community, that means that people are committed to this community. People who are already leading here and have the time and, and ability and capacity to serve as elders. And so that's what this decision means uh, going forward. Now, let me talk about a couple things that it doesn't mean. Number one is very practically, it's like these people aren't going to be joining the eldership tomorrow. 
We'll still go through a process that we go through, um, and we have several people in eldership process right now where they come and they observe. They're part of the, the uh, elder team as like non-voting elders, and they discern, they discern if that's what God is calling them to in this next season of leadership. So probably the, just very practically, the earliest that this would happen is next AGM, so 2024 AGM. So it'll take a process of time that we're going to be uh, walking with some people along in that uh, time and for them to observe and ask questions. The second thing I want to say is this doesn't mean we're, uh, Gareth talked about this, but I'll just say it very clearly from my end. We're not going to like put this on our website. This is not something that we're going to release a statement about or put on our website. And I probably won't even use the word egalitarian. It's fine if you do. I'm not trying to say that you can't. There's not going to be a swear jar for that in the back. But it's just to say I probably won't because I think through this process, I hope maybe one of the things that you've learned, and I love that book, if you haven't read it, neither complementarian or egalitarian, that those represent more than just the, the position, but they represent sometimes a stance. And they represent more than that. And I think... Um, you know, I would make it very similar to the word uh, uh, evangelical. I, I never use that word to describe myself or something else. The theological position I actually have very little problem with. It's, it, but it, the cultural word of what it means is something much bigger and very problematic. It's a four-letter word in Vancouver. So I just don't use that word. They're two different things. And that's the same thing I, I want to say. So I'm very excited about having uh, people join, women and men join the, the leadership team. And I think we can be better for that. But I won't use that. It's just what we've discerned and how we're going to practice being the people of God going forward. You know, to use business language, we're not trying to send a signal to the market. We're not hanging out our shingle by saying this is who we are. Um, and we're not looking just for egalitarians to join this church. We're looking for people who follow Jesus. That's what we want. Egalitarian, complementarian, wherever you land on that spectrum, we want you here to follow Jesus. And a quick note to the people who, who do lean more complementarian in this community. First of all, I, I, in talking with you, uh, many of you this week, or in the last few weeks, I'm so impressed and so encouraged with how you've put the community first and discerned what God's desire is for this community. I've had conversations with people who said, you know, I lean more complementarian. I still think if you were to ask me, I had to choose one side or the other, I would land there. But I actually think for our community that we should go in this direction. I think it's the best for our community, and it's beyond what my personal wishes are. And I just admire that maturity so much, and thank you if that's, that's you. And I hope the way that we've talked about being complementarian in this series, if you'd label yourself that way, has been honoring to you and to your position, and that we continue to honor you here. This is not to say, hey, now you need to leave. That's not at all what we're inviting you to. And in fact, I hope you continue to stay. And I've said this throughout the the process, and I'll say it again today, that we need you here, actually. In order for us to be the people of God, we need you here. Yeah, Joel, you have a question? I was just going to say, I think the church is God's family. Amen, brother. Couldn't have said it better. So that's, we need you in the family, and uh, we, we long for you to be here. Now, three things I just want to say to to close uh, this time and this process together. The first is thank you. And I want to say thank you to two groups of people. The first is the community group leaders. So some of you guys were up here today. And, uh, you know, as much as you didn't know, or people that you're sitting here, you didn't know the process that we went through, the community group, group leaders also didn't really know. Like, for them, this is the first time. And so they showed an amazing amount of trust in me, and so I'm very grateful for that, and uh, also carried a massive weight during this season. We are having meetings all this week with community group leaders, and one of them was just like, yeah, I'm just tired. 
uh, it's been a lot to carry. Like, it's been good, but I'm, I'm so glad that it's over at the same time. And so these community group leaders have carried the weight of, of the discernment and the weight of all these stories. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much to, to each of you that uh, have done that in this season. And so we're, we're very, very grateful, and, and I'm super glad to be leading alongside of you. I'm so grateful for you. And the second is to all the rest of you. I'm very grateful. Uh, people have asked me how this is going. People, some people are very curious. And I, I've said to most of them, it's gone better than I thought. Maybe better than I'd hoped. Now, I'm a pessimist. So I was like, I, the, the church isn't on fire, you know. Um, it's not been crazy divisive. In fact, it's been the opposite. And I think that's what a lot of people are like, oh, this is going to be a really divisive thing. And I'm not going to say that it's, it's been perfect. But what I've seen is actually the opposite on majority, which is people leaning in. People showing grace to each other. Evidence of the Spirit at work and transformation. And that's all because you guys chose to lean in for the six weeks. And so I'm super grateful. Some people even brought notebooks and were taking notes. It was unbelievable in the sermons. Never seen that before. Um, So I'm just so grateful for the ways that you've leaned in. And I'm so thankful for uh, each of you doing that, for sharing your stories, for being open. And I've talked about this earlier on in the process, but there's these kind of two circles that I think about. Um, I, I couldn't conceptually draw this very well, but here's, if the, the big arrow on the outside is the discernment process that we've gone through together, which is important, it's really important. How are we going to practice moving into this next season of our church? There's a question that we've come to a discernment on, and so that's, that's amazing, praise God. But the inner wheel, which I think a lot, or the inner arrow, which is the arrow of transformation, has been equally evident in this community, maybe even more, and I think that's what, what the people up, up here were saying is that there's been transformation of of people. You know, Christiane spoke to the healing that happens when we share our stories and listen to other people's stories. But also the transformation of us as a community, that we carry these stories forward. We carry this process forward as a group of people who are united around God and around the Spirit. And so I I really hope that that a discerning community is something that we can continue to be moving forward as, as people who are attentive to the Spirit and share our stories and go to the Scriptures as authoritative that that's something that we are. And it's not always going to mean it's going to be a six-week process, but that we do this. And, and I think one of the biggest areas that I, can, I want to encourage you um, towards is this. If you have a disagreement with people, another brother or sister in Christ, that doesn't even actually have to be another person who's a Christian, but I encourage you, or this process may inform you of how you could walk with that person. You know, I think the first thing is to, to be put off by someone who's very different than us. But what a community hermeneutic teaches us is to say, oh, what's your story? I'll tell you one, uh, uh, something, I was in campus ministry for 15 years, and um, one of the most, um, one of the things I'll remember forever is this. this. This guy came, his name's Erwin McManus. I don't agree with everything that he's ever said or done, but he is an unbelievable evangelist. And uh, just telling his story, so he, he gave a talk, and then at the end, he opened it up for Q&A, and somebody in the... Um, Somebody in the audience, a couple, like a thousand people were there. They stood up and they said, I'm an atheist, and you know, this stuff is garbage, something along those lines. And his reaction was, oh, I'm so sorry. Who hurt you? And I, I would have been like, oh, here we go. Here we're going to have some, some, some sort of like combat happening. And he said, who hurt you? And the, and the person was just like, yeah, actually, I used to be part of a church. Started just telling their whole story right in front of a thousand people. And it was an unbelievable moment where he, as a gifted evangelist, zoned in on that person's hurt and their story. To say, actually, you may not be against Jesus, you may, but it starts there. And I hope, as people that follow Jesus, that we can take that process ahead. What is your story? 
we can be a group of people, as Maddie said, just that not only learn to tell, but learn to listen, like truly listen to other people's stories and take that process through in areas that we disagree with one another. And there may be other areas that you come up with and as a church where we do go through a discernment process in the future, but some of you have already talked to me about certain areas that you'd love to uh, do this. And, and so we may not always do it as a large group of people, but I'm always down to do it with a few of us. And so if there's areas that you're like, you know, I'd really like to, to go through some sort of process like this on area X or this question that I've always had, very happy to do it. And there are other people that that's bubbling through. So come chat with me afterwards. Finally, I just wanted to, uh, two more things, sorry, an encouragement or a challenge. I think um, as I've chatted with people, I think one of the, the, the things that people weighted the most heavily in this process was what I said, the last thing I said last week, which is that in the discernment process, you know, I talked through three things. First is our identity. Are we in the right place to make this decision? And then what does it mean to be the church? What are the higher values that God calls us to be a part of? But the third one was missionally which is, we are the church in this time, in this place, in this season, what has God called us to be here that might open the doors to our friends, our families, our neighbors? And that question, I think, as I've talked to different people, has weighed quite heavily in the discernment process. And that's, that's great and that's fine, but here's my encouragement to you. If you're a person who weighted that very heavily, which is a good number of people in this community, and I would say it's true of myself, then take, my, my challenge to you is to take the next step. When I said your friends, your family, your neighbors, that this might just in some way open a sliver of a door for them to hear about Jesus, that you take the next step in, in walking towards them and seeing if that door is somewhat open. And I'm not talking about like dropping off a pamphlet at their house or whatever. I'm talking about whatever that means for you. If this truly is a missional decision that we're making, would you take the next step of mission towards those people? Because that's what this is about. That's what we sang this morning, is that Jesus' name would be known in the mouths of our friends, our families, our neighbors, the people that we work with, the people that we love. And, that's not a, and this is different from a church growth strategy. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about us being a missional group of people, that in some way this might open the door for Jesus to be known. So if that was you that made that, you made this choice and that weighted heavily for you, would you take the next step in walking towards those people and trying to introduce them towards Jesus? So finally, I just want to say this. I, I, want to, I think it's a time for us also to celebrate. Um, you know, Mitch, who's not here today, he's celebrating his 30th birthday in, in Chicago with his wife. Um, but uh, he, he was adamant. He's like, we need to celebrate. And, uh, you know, if you, if you know Mitch, he would be the perfect person to lead us in celebration. You know, he's a youth pastor, just high energy. Um, he was just like, we got to do it. Um, but, uh, and I was like, that's great. And, and I'm the opposite personality. But um, he, he's totally right. And, and what we're celebrating today isn't simply that we have both genders that are able to serve at the highest level of leadership, which I think is, is, is wonderful. I love what Christiane had to say, that, that maybe in some way our church and, and our leadership might more reflect our God. That's not to say complementarian churches aren't like that. That's just to say that's the hope. And I'll say one thing that I didn't say uh, from this, from this uh, whole time. Uh, people are like, some people are like, oh, I totally know where you land. And other people are like, I have no sweet clue. Um, here's one thing I will say that I'm excited about in going this direction. As a person who pastors here, I, I, I have an unbelievable privilege and joy of being a pastor. Um, and Gareth and I, I think he would say the same thing. Like as elders, we, we, we have a great opportunity and joy. 
But I also recognize that I'm one person with one voice. And it's a male voice. And I listen to lots of women. I read, I try to read very broadly, but it's still my voice. And, and my eyes on things, and our eyes on things as men. And what we're so excited about is that maybe this opens up the door for some of you women who have been so generous to, to allow us to continue to lead, um, to maybe have female voices that can also come and disciple. And it's not to say that women here aren't doing that already, but just more of that. And I'm so excited for that, that you might grow more through this decision to become people like Jesus. And that, that to me, really excites me. So I think we, we, can excel, we can celebrate that. But there's something higher, I think, that we want to celebrate, too, today, which is that we've gone through this process seeing evidence of God present with us through the whole time. And those were mentioned up here. Evidence of God's spirit in, in the way that we've come through as a unified group of people, which isn't to say that we're homogenous in what we believe, but that we've put Jesus first. A people of love, that I've seen unbelievable amounts of patience as we've listened to each other and encouraged each other, that you've cared for one another, and humility has been shown. And these are all characteristics of the family of God. And I think they're what needs to be seen by us. To, maybe for you, it's like, that's what I want to be part of as a family of God. And you're learning, hopefully, to trust that this could be a place where God might actually be present through his community. But it's also what our world needs to see. Is, is these characteristics, the characteristics of God himself. And so I'm so excited and so grateful, and I just feel like I've had an unbelievable seat to watch God do this through this community. And so, uh, for me, that's all exciting. This is my excited face. This is my celebratory face. It looks a lot like my morning face, but uh, it truly is celebratory. It'd be awesome, actually, if Mitch was just in there drinking Red Bull for the last five hours and just, like, busted out, um, which he totally could and would do. Um, but um, it's to say, like, let's celebrate together. And I can't think of a better way to do that than to raise our voices in song with one another. Again, I'm so grateful for the songs you chose, Andrew. They were just awesome, just to focus on God. And that we do that together. And then to take communion together, which is to, to say that God is in our midst. That ultimately, the thing we come together is not about this decision. Although it's important and it's, it's wonderful. But we come together around Jesus. Around his life given for us, his body broken for us, and the, the hope of the resurrection, that these are the things that are the most true of our community. So we're going to do that now. Let me just pray. I'll invite the, the band up, and then we invite you to take communion, communion with us. Father, we thank you for your presence in this process. Thank you for these people, and we, it's just our deepest prayer that you, in some way, through this process... Um, but also in the way that we practice moving forward, that, that you might shine through, that your light might shine out from this group of people into our city, as Gareth talked about, that we want to serve our city, and that we might be a group of people that shows that there is a different way of not polarization, not just getting into our camps, but actually gathering around someone who's bigger than any of the things that we think or believe that can hold us together. And so we pray that that would be the unity that we would show and, and that ultimately that that would reflect you into our world. I want to pray the words of, this, of, of the Apostle Paul in Romans over this community as well and over myself. God, may you who gives endurance and encouragement grant us to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that we may, we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Pray these things together as your family. In Christ's name, amen.